Welcome back to the Young Adult Novel Audio Podcast. I am reading from the book Supernatural Academy, and I will be starting with chapter 23. Again, there are only 26 chapters. Um, I feel like I'm being kind of repetitive, um, so I'm not going to go into like the whole spiel and everything like I normally do. So let's just get into this podcast. Um, chapter 22 was like seriously long. Um, so I don't know if this one's going to be as long because I am reading this for the first time as I'm reading it to you guys. So sometimes I might stumble. I do apologize. Um, I'm reading this, you know, for the first time as well. So I also have a Facebook page at YA Audio Podcast. Check it out. Leave me comments, like it, um, let me know what you're thinking, if you want me to read a book or anything like that. Alright, without further ado, chapter 23, A Siren Song. Zaire walks into his father's office after dropping off Kaya. He sits in the chair across the desk and crosses his legs as he waits for his father to look up from his phone and acknowledge his presence. Son, his father greets I'm going to Portland with Chase and his little magical friend. Zaire offers bluntly. While I'm gone, you should get the pack ready. I'm sorry? His father shows his confusion. Zaire grows frustrated. There's no time to catch you up. Zaire says in an annoyed tone. Shapeshifters from the pits of hell are going to be released. And soon. When they do, they will kill off anyone that deems them a threat. That means anyone who can see them, like someone who has previously died or someone who's powerful enough to see through their glamour, like an alpha, his father says knowingly. Zaire nods. I lost mom. I won't lose you too, Zaire tells him. We will fight them before they can strike first. Once they do, we don't stand a chance. I fear Chase will die before we get to fight anyways. He's being foolish because he cares about that magical girl. Hmm. His father scratches his chin. I thought Chase was gay. Doesn't matter. Zaire isn't sure where this conversation is going anymore. Look, Zaire stands up. I came to warn you. Just do as I said. Zaire walks out the office and goes to get things ready for Portland. While Zagira makes the arrangements, Kaya is fast asleep. Kaya wakes up the next morning to her phone ringle, ringing. She stumbles out of bed and over to her dresser to pick it up to see it saying Chase's name. By the time she answers the phone, the ringing has stopped, so she checks to see if there's a voice message. Sure enough, her voice message icon appears on her phone, so she listens. It's Chase letting her know he and Zagir will be there in 30 minutes to pick her up. She groans, not even remotely ready to leave the safety zone of her bedroom. No, she has to. She gathers her bathroom supplies and peers out of her bedroom like a convict does when checking for guards before making their great escape. She is able to leap to the bathroom across the loft and locks the door before taking the quickest shower of her life. After brushing her teeth, she takes her items back with her and wraps them in a fresh towel before stuffing them in her duffel. Checking the time, she rushes and gets dressed as she throws her hair in a ponytail. Zipping around the room, she places her charger in her duffel and grabs her purse. Throwing the duffel over her shoulder, she heads down the steps 
only to be met with all of her roommates. Sophie looks distraught, with puffy cheeks and deep circles under her eyes. Malcolm has a hand wrapped over her shoulder, and Kaya lifts the slipping duffel up a little bit as she checks the time. I'll check in, she announces as she heads towards the front door. Wait! Sophie blurts out. I'm sorry for lashing out at you and just walking off. It was so selfish of me, childish as well. Even though I'm going through something right now, taking it on others isn't okay. I was acting like a brat. I'm sorry. I appreciate the apology. Kaya states as she peers out the side of the window, sees the familiar black Aldi pulling up. But I really have to go. And I'm not the only one you need to apologize to. She doesn't allow them to say anything more. And she ducks under Reeve's arm and squeezes out the front door. She knows they probably feel guilty and are worried. But this is something Kaya wants to do for herself. And she doesn't need anyone trying to hold her back. While Kaya is off to Portland, Emoji is busy updating Yamada on court news. Yamada, we've located all of the last descendants, Emoji states to her sister. The three of them are currently on flights being brought here for protection. Having all of them under one roof will only bring attention to us, Dexter, a member of the Coven states. Isn't that dangerous? Telling him you're scared of some Jewets, Emoji taunts. I'll set them all on fire, Dexter boasts as he creates a fireball out of thin air. All right then, Emoji nods as she turns to look back at her sister. They will be here in my house since I have the most space. That and your single, Roger, another cover member, jokes. Says the man who once named his right hand Cynthia so he could pretend like he had a girlfriend. Emoji winks. Roger's face grows hot as laughter fills the room. Stop teasing the man emoji. Yamada ceases her laughter, but there's a smirk on her face and mirth dancing in her eyes. I think it's a good idea for them to reside here. You certainly have enough cameras, wards, and protections to keep everyone safe. Flattery for my sister. Whatever did I do to deserve this? Emoji teases. Yamada rolls her eyes and waves her hand in a circular motion. Considering we all might die if we accomplish this spell, I better give praise while I can. Yamada chuckles. It's not funny. Roger looks on her horror. Yamada always did have a horrible humor. Madare responds. Is this spell really that dangerous? Dexter questions with nerves. We are forcing Yaris into the same realm as his lover, Yamada states slowly. Of course this is dangerous. It will take the entire coven to pull off. Keeping the cell closed from the inside while only opening from the outside is going to require a lot of magical strength, Madari nods. However, it is the safer option than sending him to the realm of beasts and risking one of those creatures escaping. The rest of the coven is still scattered about, Dexter says in concern. Will they really be here by the end of the week? They don't have a choice. Yamada simply states, no one responds after that. Yamada starts explaining the spells and details while Kaya is sitting in the backseat of the rental car here in Portland. This is XPY. Randy, you're on with the local news. Thank you, Randy.
Breaking news is that another person has gone missing from their home. As many of you keep keeping up with us know, last week we broke a story about people from all over the world going missing randomly. Now it seems like Michael Bowman, father of six, has gone missing from his Iowa home. He was last seen. Zagir changes the station as some R&B song comes up. That's why I don't let you touch my radio. Zagir pops Chase's hand since it was his turning the radio station to begin with that led to the news coming on. It's a rental, not yours, Chase grumbles. Zagir raises a questioning brow. And whose name is on the rental? Zagir questions. Chase huffs and turns his head to look out the window. Kaya looks at the two with a fine expression. You two really make me want a sibling. Kaya says from the back seat. Zaire pushes Chase's head till it hits the window. You really don't want one. Zaire looks at her briefly before eyeing the road again. I never had anyone to bicker with. Kaya slumps her shoulders and pouts. Why do I doubt that? Which Zaire responds more to himself. You seem like the type who can start an argument with anyone for no reason at all. I strongly take offense to that, she scowls. Zaire yawns and responds as he pulls up to the hotel. Hey, I'm offended back here, she glares. He doesn't look at her. Instead, he gets out of the parked cart and walks inside the lobby. Kyra throws her hands up in bewilderment as Chase shakes his head and laughs. <laughs> Zaire speak for, I'm done with this conversation. He's real big on walking away while someone talking mid-sentence, Chase explains. Kaya's jaw drops open. He is the rudest. She bites her lip to keep from trash talking him, knowing he can probably hear what she's saying right now. Ugh, just when I thought we were bonding, she has. Zaire doesn't bond outside his pack, Chase shrugs. Don't take it personal, though. He's playing nice because he needs you. That leaves a shiver up Kaya's spine. This man seems so friendly and playful, but it's awesome facade. If he can play this role so easily, what else is he capable of doing? The smart part of Kaya doesn't ever want to find out. Alright, Zaire pops his head in the car, completely out the blue. Take your bags out and let's go up to the room. Then we'll go pay some sirens a little visit. Kaya falls in line while doing as told. She grabs her duffel and follows behind a chase as they walk into the lobby. It's a moderate-looking hotel. Carpet floors, a shiny desk for the guests checking in, and what appears to be a mock living room equipped with a fireplace and some chairs. They walk past a lot of... Uh, they walk past all that to a set of elevators going up to the fifth floor. Kaya huffs up her duffel as they turn left, then right, then left, and arrive at room 503 and 505, being at the very end. You turn there, I'm in here. Zaire shows the key card and Chase's hand before walking to his own door. Kaya stares at him in disbelief. What? You thought I was rooming with a pup so you could have your own space? Zaire actually laughs his way into his own sweet room. Kaya fights the urge to take off her boot and throw it. He is such a dick. Kaya shouts as soon as they're in their own room. A single queen bedroom at that. She glares at the wall separating them from Zaire and wishes to cast another bolt of lightning, lightning to throw at him. Why is he like this? 
I'm not excusing his actions, but that's just who he is. Chase drugs. If you like him, you take the good and ignore the bad. I can never ignore bad behavior like that. She shakes her head. He needs a spanking. Chase snorts. It's different in a pack. Chase explains. He's the alpha son for one. And we've seen the good side of him as well. We just overlook the bad because he's unapologetic and will probably kill you if you say otherwise. Sheesh. She goes to sit on the bed. I'm sure him losing his mother hasn't helped. No. No. Chase shakes his head. It's just made him worse. He used to rein in his temper for her, but after her loss, he felt like there was no need. So, he hasn't always hated magicals? Kaya can't help but be curious about Zaire. He's mysterious and guarded, kind and cruel, gentle and rough, all at the same time. He's the type to make you a pillow by hand, only to strangle you with it later on, unpredictable and dangerous. He doesn't really like anyone outside the pack, Chase chuckles. But no, he didn't particularly hate Magicals either. Please don't develop a crush on me, Kaya can hear Zaire shout. She scrunches up her face as she sticks out her middle finger. Give him that response. She commands to Chase, who laughs as he sends Zaire a picture of Kaya's middle finger. She shivers at the thought of having a crush on someone like him. Ugh, why would anyone like Zaire? Chase is the first to stand and points to the bed. Alright, which side? Chase gestures. She bites on her lip and shrugs. Alright, since it's closer to the air, she responds. Oh good, you like it cold as well? Chase goes over to the thermostat and turns it all the way down. We wear as we're in hot. He takes off his shirt as he says this, and Kaya can't help but notice how true that is in more ways than war one. Lord, she fans herself, and it's not even because it's hot in the room. Who needs so many abs? First, Declan sees me naked, and now I'm sharing the bed with another boy. Talk about living life in the fast lane. I'm clenching my pearls here, she jokes. Chase stops a little roughly through his back to raise his brows. He saw you naked? <laughs> Chase stifles a laugh. Laugh it up, she blushes. I forgot I was in my underwear and bra when he broke into my room. Stupid powers. She kicks at the carpet. Well, you can sleep easy knowing I would be a total gentleman. Chase bows with a non-existing hat in his hand as if he were from the 1600s. Unless you are that kind of lady. You don't have a choice. Kaya warns as she heads for the door to the room. If you touch without permission, I'll send a bolt of lightning through you as if you were a lightning rod in a storm. Just ask Zaire. Chase shivers as he throws on a shirt and follows her out of the room to knock on Zaire's door. Don't tell me to get done flirting. Zaire gives Kaya a wink and ushers past them and down the hall to the elevator. I'm just going to ignore you from now on, Kaya decides. Zaire raises both brows and just smirks. Now he's playful again? His mood changes way too fast for Kaya to keep up. Heading to the car, Kaya keeps her promise of ignoring Zaire. She continues to ignore him until they pull up to a corner store that says magically delicious. She can smell the desserts wafting the atmosphere as soon as they enter the crowded shop. People are standing around with cupcakes and pies and she wants to taste everything. Please tell me we can get food, she says loudly. 
Zaire brushes past her, ignores her, but Chase wraps an arm around her shoulder and pulls her close to him. Sure, I'll get you something. He offers. She smiles in kind and goes to the display stand as her mouth starts to water looking at Oreo cupcakes, strawberry cupcakes, pumpkin cupcakes, and some type of marshmallow and Oreo concoction mixed together. Come here. Zaire's voice breaks her happy place. He snaps at her twice and her lips lift up in a snarl. Don't snap at me. I'm not a dog. She growls out. The pretty looking woman standing in front of him smiles as her long fingers tap on the table she's standing beside. A woman who fears no man. The woman talks as if reading from a monologue from a play. I like her. You, she turns to face Zaire. Not so much. Join the club. Kaya glares at the werewolf. His left eye twitches. And Kaya takes a step away from him out of perseverance for her life. Lear, this is Kaya. Zaire greets. Kaya waves in kind. Now, will you talk to her? Since you obviously hate me. You killed 13 sirens seven years ago. Lear says with a fake smile. My hatred for you? Knows no words. Zaire twitches his nose in obvious aggravation. The fact that I'm still alive means you know they were in the wrong. Zaire defends himself. Their songs led to the slaughter of all those nine Hispanic girls in Texas. Zaire rolls her eyes but doesn't defend their actions, which leads Kai to believe this woman knows those sirens were in the wrong. So Zaire killing them might have been cruel, but what they were doing... Seemed to have been even more horrid. What do you want? She looks at Kaya, even though the question is Amber Zaire. Why are you singing songs that are inciting killings? He's blunt. The woman doesn't answer him. Instead points to Kaya. You with me. Laire turns on her heels and walks behind the counter and Kaya, Kaya follows. Kaya is led to an office and sits in a black chair that's in front of a brown desk. What do you know about sirens? Kaya isn't sure this is a trick question or not. Nothing, actually. Kaya responds honestly. She hopes this woman won't try to attack her since the two of them are isolated in this background. If anything does happen, Kaya's sure she can scream loud enough for Chase to hear. Sirens have been around since the beginning of time, Laire begins to explain. Time after time again, we begin to get captured and are forced to sing by brutal torture. That's horrible, Kaya gasps. It is, Lair agrees. Our voices hold special powers, gifted from God himself. When we sing, we can inspire people's deepest desires, even give prophetic visions. That's why we've always been enslaved. What does this have to do with Zaire? Is accusing you of though? Kaya asks prematurely. I do not like impatient people, Lier warns. Kaya remains silent. Recently, a man named Joel came by threatening to kill us if we didn't sing our songs to his men. Joel is a hunter and his kind have hurt my people for years. We couldn't afford to lose any more people, so we agreed to his terms. A man in Budi had promised to help, but we heard he had died. She trails off, and Kai's eyes burn with tears. That was my father. 
Kaya whispers. Lier's ex cold expression softens. He was one of the rare men we trusted, Lier admits. He was in town on business and saw Hunter following us. Asked us what was going on and we explained. He said he would get rid of the hunters. And I went and I'm not sure how he did it. But they didn't come back until after his death. Hunters killed him. Kaya says sadly. I'm sorry. Lagarde well, says honestly. If our involvement led to his death, then I am truly sorry. We don't want to be responsible for the killings of others. But sirens are a dying breed. If we don't follow along with the wishes of these hunters, we could be next. Why is it they want you to kill these people? Kaya's desperate to know. What are they after? They need to kill a certain amount of people for some sort of sacrifice. Lier explains. I don't know too much else. But one of the sirens told us she overheard a few of them mentioning a realm and beast. I certainly hope that's not what's really going on. Kaya's jaw drops as she remembers what Gates told her about the realm of beasts. Who would want to open a realm filled with creatures even Lucifer is afraid of? She questions in horror. I don't know much. But apparently, the person to open the realm will be the person to control the beast, Lear answers. It's a foolish thought, though. Those hunters will merely bring destruction to all. Kaya looks down to the ground. No one can control those beasts because they aren't normal creatures. That's why they were abandoned in the first place. What does that mean? Kaya wants to know. I can't say more. Leah apologizes. So hunters want to open the realm of beasts and Yaris wants to open the realm to Asgard? What would happen if both succeed? Who was Yaris? Leah tilts her head to the side. A fallen angel whose lover got sealed away to Asgard's prison realm. Kaya responds. Lyra hums and drums her long purple fingernails on the table. I'm afraid things aren't going to get better anytime soon. Lyra looks defeated. What I can do is sing you a song. It will let you know what you need to do in order to achieve what you want most. Or it will provide cosmetic clarification for an unanswered question. Can't you sing it to one another in order to see how you can defeat the hunters? Kai inquires. Our songs don't work on each other. Lier stands up and walks around to stand in front of Kai as she begins to sing. It's a beautiful melody that sounds like angels descending from heaven to sing as naked babies begin to play harps. Kaya goes into a trance as her eyes glaze over and her body remains frozen in place. She begins to see images as if she were experiencing them herself. She sees her father and he's arguing with a tall man who grabs her father by the throat. Her father fights the man off and scrambles away. Another man comes up from behind and grabs her father, which leads to him not being able to move. So Mr. Abraham stops fighting and falls to his knees. A third man walks up to Kaya's father and with a glowing palm places it in the middle of Mr. Abraham's head. Mr. Abraham whispers a spell, sounding like a protection spell over Kaya's life. And then he's gone. The man who killed him curses as rage fills, seems to fill within him. The same man demands that the other two men work to counter the attack blocking 
attack the blocking spell that will prevent them from finding Kaya. They disperse, and Kaya gasps as if suddenly waking up from a bad dream. Coming back to reality, she's in the same office, and Lier has stopped singing. Kaya touches her cheeks, and they are soaked with tears. Without even knowing her deepest desire, she found the answer to it. Her father died at peace because he gave his last strength to save Kaya's life. She stands on wobbly legs as she thanks Lier for the vision and starts to walk out the office of the others. Chase is pacing with a bag in his hand and Zaire looks bored and mixed with upset. Thank fuck, you have been in there forever, Zaire grumbles as he storms out the shop. Can't you see she's upset? Chase responds as he follows Zaire outside, Kai and Toe. What do they say? Zaire questions as he completely ignores Chase. Kaya feels like she's in a daze right now, and even though she knows they're talking, their words seem to be cloudy, like trying to hear while being submerged in water. I saw my dad, she whispers as she stumbles to the car. Chase helps her inside, and after she buckles, she puts her hand to her lips and closes her eyes briefly. The sirens. They're doing all of this because of a group of hunters led by a man named Joel is holding them hostage and threatening to kill them if they don't comply. He's going to kill them anyway, that bet. Zagar shakes his head. Those damn sirens and their songs. He grips the steering wheel hard. She sung to me, Kaya admits. Zagar eyes her heavily as she talks. I saw my dad and now he died. He placed a protection spell on me to keep me hidden from druids. Then he just died. Chase reaches behind the seat and grabs her leg, patting it before letting go. Here, Chase says as he hands her a bag from the shop. I got you some sweets. She's not sure why she starts crying, but she does. She takes the bag and opens the box to see an assortment of desserts. Choosing one at random, she takes a bite. She cries harder how good it tastes. Will this be her last cupcake? She wants to live. Wants to live for her father who sacrificed himself for her. It can't be the end. Not now. Not yet. She has to live for him. Avenge him. Wait. No. Stop crying. Chase says frantically. Zaire, make it stop. I don't know what to do. Zaire responds just as alarmed. Give it a bottle. Kaya cries, turn her to laughter. as She throws a piece of her cupcake at his head. I'm not a baby. She says with a wet voice. He doesn't respond, but his shoulders are less tense. Kaya cradles her bag close to her, and the rest of the ride is in silence. It's not until they arrive back at the hotel that she remembers she hadn't even contacted her roommates yet. Kaya falls asleep without sending a single text, while Anders falls asleep and gets a dream. There are two people fighting. Someone is wearing a hood and is fighting against a girl. The girl is Kaya. She's using her powers to create a thunderstorm, but to no avail. A blur comes and tries to attack the hooded figure, but they get thrown and Kaya is flown into a lake. She doesn't come out. Anders wakes in a cold sweat as he wipes a hand down his face. He gets out of bed and shuffles his feet downstairs where he sees everyone else just sitting and watching TV and eating snacks. This vision seemed different from the others. Felt different too. Kaya finally called. Reed tells his twin as a twin sits beside him. Hmm. Anders responds back as he reaches over to get some popcorn from the bowl sitting in Reed's lap. 
I had a dream of her dying again, he says with a tired voice. I think she's going to die soon. It's not a fact. But it's a feeling. I... Reed opens his mouth and shuts it tightly. As he sees Gate shake his head no. We should make sure she has no regrets then. Reed settles on saying, Yeah. Declan shouts as food drops from his mouth. Sophie's eels and scoots away from him. Group outing. That's what we need. We should study. Malcolm tries to argue. If she's going to die, what's the point? Malcolm points out with a shrug. That was incredibly insensitive. Sophie chastises. I don't mean it in a bad way. Declan pouts. But if she dies soon, wouldn't she want to spend the rest of her days having fun instead of studying? Sophie tightens her lips and huffs as she turns away from him. So that he can't see the tears falling down her face. Is she doing okay? Anders asks Reed as he ignores Declan. Starting to taunt Sophie. She seemed kind of fine. Reed admits. Which is strange considering her company. My girl is a social butterfly. Sophie says with a wet face. As she hits Declan with her hand. Which reminds me. We need to talk about your actions. Malcolm looks at Sophie, who ducks her head and looks away. Let's go. Now. Malcolm stands, and Sophie groans but follows after him anyways. As the two leave, Yates gets a text from his mother. My mom is texting me. Yates mumbles out loud. Says she saw a weird aura arrive to town yesterday, and now she knows why. The rest of them stare in anticipation. The magical council has arrived in town, and they're pissed. Reed looks to Yates and tries not to let his worry show. If they find his Druid book, he'll be killed and labeled as a Druid supporter. He gulps his fears and prays they leave sooner than how they arrived.